Free Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 185, The Successful Go-Around, coming up in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Eric Crump, Larry Overstreet, Russ Rosleski, Tom Frick, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Well, folks, welcome to the Stuck Mike Avcast. My name is Carl Valeri, and I'm here with my other co-host. And tonight, we're going to talk about something a little bit different. You know, we rarely do them, and when we do, they usually don't go as planned. This is something your instructors always told you to be ready for and be spring-loaded to perform one. We hear many accidents and incidents of pilots performing one with no success. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about the go-around. And in this episode, we're going to discuss how you can have a successful go-around every time you fly. Interesting. Are we going to think about that? You know, every time you fly, you're going to have a successful go-around, and we'll talk a little more about that. And uh, joining me this evening is uh, Rick Felty, Tom Frick, Russ Rosleski, and Bill English. The rest of the crew is out there having fun Interestingly enough, out in campers and camping world, uh, both Larry and also Victoria are out there having a blast, and uh, they have been lately visiting many different airports and venues, and we can't wait to hear back from them. Anyway, guys, welcome to the podcast, everybody. Hope everybody's doing well this evening. Hey, Carl. The uh, before we get started quickly, uh, our sponsors, uh, AviationCareersPodcast.com for scholarships, career coaching, and interview preparation. Easy to find AviationCareersPodcast.com, and also to go check out the courses there and the scholarships guide. Now entering cruise flight. On to our cruise flight. No news and announcements except, uh, well, no, we're going to save it to the picks of the week, actually. Something I was going to announce, but I'm going to save it for the pick of the week. Uh, let's move right into our discussion. I'll tell you why. We have a lot to talk about. This is so important to go around, and it's something that many of us uh, don't have a lot of experience with because we don't do it every time. But remember I said to have a successful go around every time you fly, and, and that's in your head, too. You have to make sure you're spring-loaded for that. You know, there's some really cool information, and one of the reasons that I brought this up as a topic is I was reading, you know, the NASA ASRS callback newsletter that you can get. You go onto uh, the NASA website, the Aviation Safety Reporting System, and you can actually sign up for this really cool newsletter that talks about different accidents, incidents. And it's interesting to see... In this newsletter, it's all about the airlines. And, you know, a lot of times we think, oh, gosh, you know, I'm embarrassed because I did an unsuccessful, in my mind, go around in my 172. Well, gosh, you know what? Go check those out. I'll have a link to it. Most of these people are having problems because they don't do them properly and, and for other reasons. But they at the airlines, we at the airlines have a lot of problems with go around. So, you know, there's many situations where you need to do one. And we're going to talk about a little bit, in, uh, you know, what an actual successful go around is. But uh, first of all, 
I'd like to, you know, hear from, and this is what's cool. I think we've all had some interesting experiences as to a go around. And one of the things I'd like to hear from some of our co-hosts is the why we go around and possibly in the why we go around, maybe relate a story that you might have. So one of the things that I, I, I'll just start us off with some of the reasons that we would do a go around uh, on an approach or something like that. And uh, recently, uh, something that uh, happened, uh, actually it wasn't that recent, it was a couple years ago, but uh, in my mind it was recent because I can still live through it, is uh, getting behind a larger airplane. I was on final, and uh, I think it was like a 777 or something, and boy, within one second, I was at a 45-degree bank to the left. So that was a wake turbulence uh, encounter. And I actually was trying to save the uh, landing and started moving towards the runway again and realized that I was not really stable and decided to go around. That go around was a successful go around in that we did it properly. We said so we went around. We didn't talk to anybody. We made sure we configured the airplane properly. And we just called out and said, hey, this is so-and-so going around. And the tower came back and asked us questions. And I said, ignore them. We've got to clean this up because we, we uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny later on. The controller asked us why we didn't respond. I said, well, I, I think I had to clean my pants. That's why we weren't responding because it was pretty darn scary at, at that point, that low to the ground. So that's one of the, one of the reasons that we would go around is because of, say, wake turbulence. Some of them uh, aren't as obvious as that, and, and this can be pretty violent, you know, weather, et cetera. But um, also, I'd like to hear from, you know, some of the other co-hosts. Uh, maybe, Rick, what, what would be some, another reason we might want to go around? Well, I think I was going to use the words, um, that, well, not stable, but that, that my first time, I mean, I'd, in training, I had had it pretty well drummed into me, and I know we practiced it, meaning it, that I was asked to do it by CFI. Um, but I made my, I remember vividly my first one that I made the call myself and I, I just wasn't set up right. The, um, I, you know, I think I, uh, I turned final and I was just way too high and I knew it and I was out at a, an airport I wasn't really familiar with, but, um, it was pretty, but I, you know, I had a, it was pretty clear and we had had that call and, um, you know, we, we knew to make, you know, I, I knew enough about it to make a call when I, when I needed to, and I just added power and. I said to the CFI, I'm, I'm going around and I called it out and, um, and it was great. It felt really good because I knew that it was the right call and that it actually had come upon me on my own for the first time. And I remember that. Um, so, so that was a big one. And then I had some scary incidences, incidents, uh, one of which wasn't really a go around, but, um, involved being, being, being ready enough to power up after, uh, um, basically what, what became a, a fairly intense porpoise bounce mm. that I had. And, um, and I knew, you know, I knew what to do. I knew that I still had the option to keep flying, you know, instead of trying to keep trying to get it on the ground. And, uh, th I, I, that saved me in a big way, uh, that day. Cause it was, you know, it was intense, but, um, but it also came very naturally. So, and, uh, that was in the Cirrus and there's other, I think there are some, um, oh no, the, the, the thing about the Cirrus I was in, I don't know if they're all this way still is, um, there's a fuel pump, I think it is. Um, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but the fuel pump uh, is on for landing so that you can go around. Is that? Am I saying that correctly, guys? We know the Cirrus. Yes. Yeah. So, so I was. So there was a lot about uh, landing that already that I that already caused me to think about 
you know, about the go around. And in fact, some of the setup for landing is, is to enable that in that plane. And so, yeah, it was, it was a great bit of training that came in handy and that I was ready for in, in those situations. And that, that's a great story. And what's interesting is through that whole process, it sounds like you did the going around properly because I didn't hear you saying that how, you, oh, we messed this up and messed that up. You were, you know, ready to do that. So that's No, a, it was, yeah, full throttle and then, and then make the radio call. In the one case, it was just a untowered field. But in the purpose situation, it was, it was towered and I, you know, let them know and they were cool. You know, it was all cool. And, and uh, yeah, it, it, it felt like that wasn't <laughs> the bigger problem was getting my head cleared to figure out what I'd done wrong about the landing. But the go around was, was, uh, felt very natural and was actually uh, uh, relieving in a way because I was in control again, if you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. No, that imagine? makes a lot of sense. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And the good thing is you're obviously your instructor did a great job training you to do a go around if you're not comfortable in the porpoising. Some people keep porpoising and then we've seen a lot of accident reports as to what happens there because things start yeah. coming and off I, the airplane. And I know if you're the more skilled you are and the depending on what the situation is, you can you can regain control just above the runway and, and let it settle. But I was alone and I was green. I wasn't a private pilot yet. This was like a cross you know, coming back or for from a solo flight. And uh the safer thing for me to do was reestablish the pattern, which yeah. is what I did. Yeah. Yeah. Good job on that. And, uh, you didn't break anything. That's what the whole goal is. No, was. and I'm, I'm here on the show to talk about it. So yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I had a thought, I, I have to land this plane, you know, that whole thing. Right. Yeah. And sometimes it nope. does happen. You go through your head. What did I do wrong? You know, you do get, sh- yeah. it shakes you up, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely uh, okay. Slow down. What, what, what just happened and, and how do I, what, what am I doing wrong here? Yeah. And it does. Especially because, especially being alone, and when you're, you know, when you're in that part of training, um, you think you've got it, you know, got everything kind of handled, and then, and then, you, something's not quite right. In that case, it was speed, really, you know, and that's often, I well, seems to me that's often a challenge, or can be. And I was not, I was not controlling speed correctly, and uh, I just had had too much. And once I thought about it and figured it out, um, it was good. I was definitely sweating that one. So the next one was a good landing then. Um, okay, the full story is that the next one was also a porpoise, oh. and the third one was a good landing. So it, yeah, yeah, I had a I had a couple of times around where, or I bounced. You know, at least I bounced enough to know I was entering into a a, uh, you know, a pattern. You know, oh. it wasn't settling, and I was like, okay, I thought I thought it was right. Let's think this through again. So yeah, it was um, it was it was a good thing to have experienced now that it's over. But man, in the middle of it, it was a little like intense because. You, there's no choice but to land that plane successfully. Right. So think, Rick, think, you know, and, and it, and I just brought it, I just, it was about speed mostly. Uh, and, uh, the third, I think it was the third time around. No problem. Uh, interesting though, that you went around yeah. twice. Wow. Yes. And, uh, you yep. know, how many people do I th- that? Yeah. I thought, well, I could keep doing this all day, except eventually I have to go home. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I actually can't keep doing it all day, but yeah. Um, yeah, that's, so yeah, I was thrown. I thought, oh, I can handle this. And then I probably didn't do much thinking. And then after the second one, that's when I probably had a bit more of a focused analysis of, of what my, of what was going on. And, uh, and, and yeah, and solved, and I solved the problem myself by thinking it through. And, you know, I, I, in general, my biggest problem with my training was I don't know that the, that airspeeds were as drummed into me as they should have been. So I wasn't, you know, there was like a little margin of like I wasn't tracking those numbers close enough to and and often it was fine. But, you know, once I nailed those or once I went, oh, I get it. In fact, this incident probably taught me 
a lot about, you know, tracking those numbers, knowing what they, knowing exactly what they want to be. So that's how we learn a lot, isn't it? Yeah, (laughs) that's for sure. (laughs) But yeah, but go around. I would say to their credit that the one thing that was good was we, we talked about them all the time and, 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 and did them all the time. And, uh, it was, it was, uh, helpful (laughs) for sure. Well, no, no landings assured. That's for sure, and that's uh, a good example of it. But sure, you, you put it together and you finally landed, and that's that's a harrowing story. But uh, but that's cool that you didn't give up either. You kept going forward because some people are like, "That's yeah. it. I'm not flying anymore after this one." But uh, we all yeah, have I, those experiences. I, yeah, I went home that day, but I know I came back. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's cool. Good. Yeah, that's a very good example. Uh, I was going to say there's very few instances where people go around twice. It's usually somebody else's fault, like you're, somebody gets in your way, etc. But uh, that's actually, I'm glad you did that because some people would just say, ah, oh, that's it. I'm just going to keep porpoising and whatever happens, happens. And that's a bad thing yeah, to like, do. Like, yeah, like this next time around, whatever happens, I'm just going to, I'm not going around. I'm, and yeah, well, it's pretty clear. It gets more and more violent. Trust me, as yes. you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've porpoised many a time. <laughs> or it can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it, what's interesting is what you just said. You said, I'm not going around. And how many times have you heard that? I mean, it's incredible. And, and now, there are instances where you're like, yeah, we're not going around because we can't. Uh, you know, it's a fuel issue, et cetera. So that I get. Um, so no matter what you have, you have. But there's very, it's very, very, very rare to, to say that. I mean, if your engine quits, obviously, you're not going around. Uh, but in this case, you know, you got it together. I thought that was awesome. Really good story, though. Uh, and uh, porpoising down the road. That, I would say, is pretty much an unstable approach example, uh, yeah. which led to it that. Didn't, you know, it, it didn't feel like it right. until, until it starts oscillating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, everything else, I was lined up right. You know, but what wasn't right was, was my airspeed. Yeah, awesome. Great story, though. Yeah. So uh, other situations we might uh, want to think about, maybe uh, Bill English, can you maybe think of something that we might uh, have as an example? Sure. I, I mean, yeah, Rick's got a, you know, there's a number of good stuff uh, that you had in there, Rick. We're talking about the stable approach, and that's one of the, I, I mean, I know when, when I was instructing a lot, and still when I fly now, you know, kind of thinking about your own, like, minimums on your approach, you know, set some gates when you're, turning to final am i on speed on power on glide path and everything and i recall uh i think it was up in maine i was flying was and this was i was with another instructor right how dangerous is that two flight instructors in the same airplane (laughs) and it was a a, you know one of those springtime fronts that comes through new england crazy wind um we're in some kind of light twin i forget and it's. I think you you mentioned it uh, earlier, Carl. That kind of that that get there right is. You get that little pressure on. You know, you don't want to go around, especially two instructors in the airplane, right? You don't want to, you know, be the guy that goes around. I can do it. I can do it. And, and I remember doing this. I had that that approach coming down, and it was actually looking pretty good. I was getting in the right crosswind correction, getting in the uh, you know getting the wing down, getting the rudder over. But of course, the airplane was pointed. I don't know. 30 degrees off the runway center line as we're crab, you know, as we're slipping down the final. And I just remember the other, uh, the other fellow that was with me, and we were, we were good friends, just kind of looked at me at a couple hundred feet above the ground, and they said something like, you know, a lot of people, they would have gone around by now. And, and, and that was just what broke, it broke the spell. I'm like, you know what? I really don't have to do this. We're going we're gonna to go around, and we're going to just, it was an uncontrolled field with two runways. We could go around, hit the reset button not kick myself over, you know, trying this or anything like that. The go around, focus on nothing but the go around. Don't worry about what got you there. Don't worry about, you know, maybe you were going around because there was a vehicle on the runway or an animal or something. So 
you're going around. It's gone. It's in the past. You hit the reset button, go around, set it up, start all over again. And this is the only approach that matters anymore. And uh, and you can work it out. Yeah, it's interesting how a lot of times we, you know, we have that get there itis and we're like, you know what, I, I, I want to get it on the ground. I want to get it on the ground. And, you know, Rick's uh, uh, point about the porpoise and gosh, I've uh, actually had a very personal experience where somebody porpoise and didn't didn't make it out. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, and that that wasn't a very good outcome. So, gosh, please do do go around. But that's that's a good uh Example. Other situations, Bill, as far as going around, you mentioned one was, uh, you know, hazards on the runway. Um, it could be um, an airplane. Sure. It could be an airplane, could be a vehicle, could be an animal, all kinds of things out. You know, you're perfectly fine. And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody blunders across the runway. They're, they make a mistake, don't know where they are, whatever. Um, hopefully you're, you know, you're watching for that sort of thing. That's part of your scan. And uh, uh, there's been some very, very serious events of, you know, runway collisions, you know, in that exact kind of situation, someone landing. Um, uh, there was a very famous accident back in, uh, I think it was in the 80s in Los Angeles, right? A uh, 737 and a turboprop, uh, you know, someone got out on the runway and uh, and the, the go around was too late and, uh, you know, bad accident there. A lot of that has happened. So um, got to keep your head up and on a swivel for that. And we never know what's going to blunder out on the runway in front of you. It could be, you know, any of those things. And again, you, you just hit that reset button. You're going around. This is all that matters now. Worry about the details, who was at fault or whatever later on. Just get out of there and make it safe. Sometimes we're in an airplane, though. We don't want to go around and there's a, something comes on the runway. Uh, you know, relating to that, I remember being in the cockpit of a 777 and uh, I'm in the jump seat. There's four of us up there. And uh, this aircraft, we're, we're overtaking another airplane. That's another example. And yeah. he's a, there's a Dash 8 on the runway. And I literally, we're all looking at each other saying, hey, we should go around. The problem is we're flying with a super senior captain. And oh, you know what happens? Yeah. It's like, oh, boy, you know, who's going to pipe up now and say go around? And, uh, you know, I kind of did the, the hint and the hope thing and said, boy, you know, this might might be a go around uh, pretty soon here. We did not go around to the airplane disappeared underneath us. And uh, it, it was I would have loved to see the video of that one. And finally says, yeah, we're going to go around. Uh, and, and it was silence. I mean, absolute silence in the flight deck because we're all looking at each other like, oh, my gosh, why didn't we do that earlier? Why didn't we yeah. just go around knowing we're going to we're going to bump into that thing? That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, other examples of going around. How about uh, Russ? We haven't heard from you as far as other examples of why you might want to go around. Well, I think um, yeah, most of the examples have been said already, but um, certainly, and Tom is, <laughs> knows this just as well as I do, or, or anybody who's been instructing a long time, we go around a lot, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, with, with students and, and learning how to land. Uh, and it, most of it does come down to the unstabilized uh, approach. Uh, idea that we kind of briefly mentioned. I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more, but uh, just you know that any time where you know you're just way too high or way too low or uh, just you know not lined up on the center line or you don't have the right crosswind corrections in and and yeah, I I tell my students anytime you're coming on final and you don't like the way something looks, even if something's just nagging you a little bit that this might not be quite right, hey, that's good enough reason for me to go around. I tell them, you know, from the right seat, I will never question uh, their decision to go around. If they think they need to go around, go around, and we'll just come back around and then try it again. So uh, having that, taking that kind of, uh, oh, oh what, what am I trying to say? Like a stance the, uh, on it and, and The stigma attitude. of going around from very early on in training, I, I, I think is real important because 
because you're, you're right, uh, and we've said it a couple times already that you know, sometimes you just don't want to go around and you feel you know, like you'd be embarrassed or something. But you know, if I see a pilot go around, I'm thinking, hey, that that's a smart pilot. <laughs> you know, they uh, they they saw that it wasn't working and they decided to, to uh, take the safe uh, option there. No problems with that. You know, these are all good examples of why to go around. I think one other that we didn't mention is mechanical failure and. Uh, you know, why should we go around on the mechanical failure? And uh, I, I have one good example in that I remember putting the gear down, and I, I sure felt, I thought I felt the gear go down and lock in place, but I didn't have three green lights. And we're actually, it's funny because it's kind of embarrassing to say this, but we both said to each other, well, the gear's probably down. Um, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. What did we just say? Probably down. You know what we should do? And we're both looking at each other. Yeah, I guess we should go around. So we went around. I'm glad we did because what had happened is the circuit breaker popped on the hydraulic pump for the gear. And if I did land, that would have been extremely embarrassing. Uh, not only that, it would have been very, very expensive, I'm sure. So get out of there, figure out your mechanical problem, and come back around and fix it. You know, there's gear problems, there might be tire issues, that type of thing. Uh, you never know what's going to happen there. Another thing that we, we didn't really mention uh, is wind shear. Uh, wind shear go-arounds, I've done at least five of them due to wind shear, and it is quite exciting because you're in a really bad situation weather-wise, and uh, especially in some of the larger airplanes that have uh, you know the wind shear advisories and the wind shear warnings, and they tell you wind shear go-around, it, it'll shock you. All of a sudden it's like, whoa, what do you mean wind shear? And you're out of there. Uh, it really takes you back for a second. It's like, oh boy, go around, you know, and, and then then we're out of there. So, let's talk a little bit though about how to make a successful go around. We've gone over the reasons, uh, but now we've made that decision to do make that go around. So, how do we actually make they make a positive go around? So, Tom, I know uh, we haven't asked you yet, but give us some examples, possibly of a, of a couple things that would lead to a successful go around. Um, making sure that, uh, you're, you're powered up and that your pitch is up and, and that you have control of the airplane, getting air back under the wings again. Um, you know, as I was listening to the discussion of, of, uh, some of the go arounds, I can relate to just about every one of those things. I mean, um, for me, it's, it's, you know, from a teaching standpoint, you know, I'm, I'm teaching this and relating it back to a student when we're out in the practice area and, and the very fundamentals of like even just doing slow flight and recovering from slow flight and relating that back to this is what a go around is going to feel like your controls are going to be all mushy and you need to get that power in and start cleaning the airplane up, getting some air over the wings and, and, and starting to climb back out again. And that's the feel that they're going to have. And, and we do it at altitude so that when the first time they do it close to the ground, it feels natural to them or, or at least the fundamentals are there to, to make it start feeling natural. So, I mean, that, that initial power and, and pitch and, and getting that airplane cleaned up is probably one of the most important things to get, um, get your head wrapped around with a successful go around. And doing that is uh, another way uh, I'll chime in on this one is making sure that you do the right thing as far as when you power up, I think you said power up, pitch up at the same time. Uh, some airplanes do the opposite. I know for the most air, most of the airplanes we fly, when you power up, it does pitch up for you. But uh, a couple of the, the jets that I've flown that have the engines on the back there, if you power up, you're going towards the ground faster. And uh, that gets really, really exciting. Uh, it, it's interesting because uh, one of the uh, go-arounds I did with a gentleman. We were sitting there. I said, go-around, and you're, you know, 
and you set the thrust and I'm like, well, you know, we're pointed at the ground. Maybe we should do something else. And we had enough altitude for me to say that. And it was kind of funny at the time. But I was like, gosh, we better do something really fast because we're gaining airspeed quite quickly and finally went around. Now, the airplane I'm flying now for work, uh, we do, you know, power up and pitch up. We really don't have to pitch up because the engines are hanging low on the wings. And uh, the biggest problem is actually uh, having to apply pressure to somewhat pitch down sometimes, but it'll come up real quickly. And uh, we accelerate because we have so much extra power, we can overspeed the actual airplane very, very quickly. So in this is what's really odd in the plane I'm flying is that uh, because it's highly automated, especially in the Airbus, that when you do a go around, the actually the thrust levers are what actually sequences you from an approach to a grow round in the FMS. So your your flight management system doesn't know it's a go round to you put the thrust levers all the way forward, but you immediately have to take them back because if you don't, you're going to overpower the aircraft and you know put it into the auto thrust position and the climb to ten. And that's something that is really hard to get used to because in almost every airplane you put full power. And you leave it there. And for the most part, when that happens, uh, you're going to over overspeed something. With that said, in a wind shear event, you leave the power there until you're out of that wind shear event. Uh, because you don't want to change anything because you're going to need that extra power. If you overspeed the flaps or whatever, who cares? Uh, but it's actually interesting. That, you know, Most of the time when we're flying aircraft, we put the power forward and power up and pitch up and, uh, and then clean up. Um, in some of the planes, it's a power up and then pitch up and then one notch of flaps, that type of thing. But you have to know, definitely know uh, your airplane. A successful go around means we don't bend metal. We don't run into anything, by the way. We didn't define that, but that's very, very important. Um, and uh, I think it was Russ, you wanted to make a comment on that as far as what a, a successful go around is? Yeah, that's right, Carl. There's to. two things that uh, that I do see occasionally through my instruction. And, uh, and one is, you know, the you talked about pitching up and, and I see that uh, not pitching up enough is is maybe doesn't seem like uh, it would be a problem but it but it does become a problem and I see it over and over and I think it's because when you're coming in a land you have the nose down generally right I mean it's pointed more down towards the ground and so in order to pull that nose up to a climb attitude it, it there's a larger pitch change there than you're used to with just taking off or just landing so. You have to put a little more emphasis on getting that nose up. I mean, I've I, I've had examples where it, one I remember was it was on a uh, on an instrument approach on an ILS. I mean, but the go around procedure is the same, right? And and the pilot was was coming down final. We went around. They brought the power up, brought the gear up, but forgot to bring the nose up. And so we're just accelerating, you know, going down the glide slope. <laughs> you know, um, so uh, obviously pitching up to climb is very important uh, obviously it's also airplane specific like you were talking about carl um certainly but making sure that the pitch is coming up whether you're uh, the one pulling it up or not is very very important um the other thing and this is also very airplane specific but what i'm going to say is true for a lot of the uh light general aviation aircraft and that's you you put the power in you start the pitch you know coming up and save the flaps for the last thing. I mean, this is a, something we, we do uh, uh, train a lot on in private pilot training because we've seen especially people with the, um, the you know, the Cherokees with that Johnson bar flap system. If you elect to put those flaps up before you do anything else, you can put those flaps up in about a half a second, right? And that's going to take all that lift out of the wing. And I and I'm sure most other instructors have had where the 
the student forgot to push the power in and got the flaps first, and you just get that sinking feeling as all that lift goes away, and you risk possibly stalling it as well you know, at 50 feet above the ground. So make sure that power comes in first. And like I said, uh, this is you know true for at least all the airplanes I fly in. Uh, get that power in first and then work the flaps up uh, as you, you know, start to get some you know, positive raid or you know, at least you know, the first notch you might get rid of pretty early, but then work them up from there. It's a good point. You know, in the airplane, like I, I flew a lot in the 172 N model that I had. It's, uh, you know, you have full flaps. You actually would really need to get one notch of flaps. So there's an example. You really, really need to know your airplane. Do you, you, you know, power up, pitch up, and then you start thinking about cleaning up the airplane. Uh, the other thing too is look at your airspeed indicator. I think a lot of people forget that. Uh, Rick said it earlier as far as being stabilized and making sure you have the numbers right when you're actually coming down for a landing. Uh, and this goes to your point for us is that you have to look at your airspeed you really can't forget about that and make sure you're going in the proper direction on the airspeed indicator instead of uh, slowing down make sure it's it's going up or holding the actual speed that you want uh, sometimes we forget about that and one reason that can happen and i've had it happen to me i did a go around in the end model airplane and uh, sure enough i was at 40 degrees of flaps full power and I'm like, why am I not climbing? And I look, I was like, oh, my flaps. i got to get them up a little bit. But like you said, if you bring them all the way up, they go up fairly fast. Not as bad in a 172 like you were talking about with the Johnson bar. But uh, it, they go up quick enough that uh, it would be noticeable if you brought them all the way up. <clears throat> there's some other things, too, as far as on the ILS that uh, there's some considerations, uh, aren't there, Bill? Yeah, exactly. I, I had a very similar situation to what uh, Russ was talking about as well. And, um, you know, this it can happen in instrument flight, can happen at nighttime or anywhere where you don't have, uh, you know, particularly good visual uh, references. And, and this is not, uh, all, you know, just general aviation as well. There's a number of airline uh, accidents and mishaps that have occurred from, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but uh, an illusion that occurs in your, your inner ear called a somatographic illusion. As you are powering up, and hopefully, as you just mentioned, speeding up, the body senses that you are actually climbing. The, uh, the, the inner ear senses that acceleration, and it makes you feel as if you're, you're tipping back and you think you're climbing. And, you know, we've seen that, you know, the, the, the pilot believes he's doing the right thing is going around and is just really just flying faster and faster but not climbing at all and maybe heading for obstacles or uh, maybe still in a little bit of a descent and uh and hitting the ground so we'll uh we'll put in the show notes i, I did find a study from the uh, the french uh, bea the the accident board in uh in france actually did a multi-year study on that with a lot of uh, airline you know multi-pilot airline crew uh incidents that uh that you know suffered from that illusion so, you know, you would agree that what you need to do in that case is really trust your instruments and not what you're feeling. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, like you said, know, know the airplane, know that, that configuration. I mean, you know, uh, power plus attitude equals performance. And, and that's, that's nowhere more true than, than what we're talking about right here. You know, get that pitch attitude when you're practicing the go-arounds, practicing slow flight, you know, knowing your, your takeoff attitude and head for that, whatever that might be, say eight degrees up or whatever. And, get on the instruments and, uh, and believe them, especially in, in that kind of situation, maybe nighttime where now you've been looking into the bright lights of the airport, uh, the airport environment, and now um, you, you're going to be transitioning to maybe a climb attitude. Now all of a sudden, all, of, all that light went away and your visual reference just went black. 
And that's where we really, like you said, trust the instruments and look inside. And one of the things that I think is is easy to do is to get vertigo in an airplane, especially when you're flying instruments and you're looking outside and inside and you have a different slope to the clouds, et cetera. And you realize, hey, wait a minute, you know, I feel like I'm going down, but I'm going up or just the opposite. I think I'm, I'm going up, but I'm going down. So it's really, you know, look at the, just go back to your basic instrument flying. And I've had this happen. I mean, I think we all have, you know, it's really, it's kind of freaky at first when you realize, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, it's not doing what my body says it's doing, but it's doing what it's doing as shown on the instruments. And that is, oh man, when that happens, you're like, oh, this is what we talked about when we talked about vertigo, you know? But very, very important. Um, one of the things I think, too, is that when we're looking at, and we talked about this before, is deciding early to have a successful go-around. And uh, you know things are going to be bad. Uh, one of the things, too, about a go-around, when we decide earlier, there's this fine line, and this gets confusing, and you brought up the airline instance, and we'll definitely have a link to that. There's a fine line between what a go-around is and what a, an aborted approach is. Uh, so sometimes we confuse ourselves uh, between the two. Like we're on an approach. Next thing we're doing is, okay, we're going to vector you off the approach. Now, what what constitutes that go-around? Are you considering a go-around? Uh, is it 1,500 feet or whatever it is? Um, for those people that have uh, instrument systems, like in the plane I fly, that kind of will or will not sequence based on the position of the thrust lever, you know, what do I need to do next? You know, do I need, how do I recycle my GPS or my my Garmin or whatever system I use so that I can do the approach again? And that sometimes can, can be a little bit confusing. But the most important thing is don't worry about that now. And if you need some extra time, say, hey, I need some vectors, some delayed vectors, et cetera. So um, anyway, I think that's it as far as how to make a successful go-around. Does anybody else have something they might want to add to that before we move on to uh, you know the other points? And this is actually the really the crux of the matter is the next thing we're going to talk about as to why we don't go around. And Well, uh, I think uh, it's important to add in here that the earlier you can make that decision to go around, the better. And that, that seems obvious, I suppose. But uh, I mean, if you can go around it, half mile final that's a lot less of a difficult situation than going around it at 20 feet above the ground a lot less risk involved there um, and you know you can see the potential for usually pretty easy i mean certainly as an instructor i i, I know well before the uh, student knows that we might be going around but uh yeah as you start to see things become uh destabilized we'll use that a word again uh you know, start, you put that thought in your mind, Hey, you know, if, if I, you know, if this goes on for much longer, I'm going to have to go around. And if you've got that thought in your mind, I think you're much, uh, much more willing and, and ready to do it. I mean, you can, you can tell you might need to go around from a mile final or, or more possibly, uh, depending on how things look. And if you are able to start the go around at that point, that's, that's great because that is, uh, so much less risky than those, uh, than waiting until the last minute when you're close to the ground. Russ, you brought up a great point, and you said uh, stabilized and unstabilized. You know, one of the things I think we may not teach our students sometimes is uh, what is your criteria for being stabilized and where do I need to be? You know, if I'm 500 feet above the ground and I'm, you know, X amount of knots too fast, do I go around then? Uh, Is there something that you use, Russ, to kind of help your students determine if they're stabilized or not? 
Um, no, there probably should be, but no, I don't have something like that. I know some other folks do, uh, and I certainly know that uh, corporate flight departments and uh, and Part One Twenty One operations do. Uh, what I'm looking for more, especially with the uh, you know the light aircraft that I'm teaching in, is that if you know, you're on your airspeed, you're on your your glide path, and you know while you're on final and things are under control. If they're not, you need to go around. I like that. You know, if you think you're not going to make it, just go around. And it's really judgment. You know, what what is stabilized? If you think you're unstable, you probably are, and it's time to to start thinking about going around. And I think that's some some great advice. I mean, it is subjective. Uh, some people have very specifics as to this is what I'm going to do. And it's just like your minimums. You know, when you go out flying IFR for the first time, you're not going to do anything lower than a thousand foot ceiling. You can do the same thing if you're on final and you're 500 feet above the ground. You don't have your airspeed and your configuration right, and you're not your gear's not down yet. Well, then go around, do it again. Or if you don't have your flaps down or whatever. And then as you, you get closer and closer, you can make that decision. And also remembering, too, that you can make that decision even after your wheels touch down. It may be a go around after that, as we talked about in the porpoising. So really good stuff about how, how to make that decision. But also another uh, point to stress here is that I don't think people go over this as an emergency maneuver. Some people, they start looking for the go-around maneuvers in emergencies. It's it's a normal procedure is a go-around. So if you need to, you just you know abort the approach and you go around. So just remember that. It's definitely not a uh, an, an emergency. Let's move on to the really important part of this. And this is how we can prevent ourselves from... Go, not going around or prevent ourselves from uh, in a situation where we should have gone around. And, uh, you know, first of all, what are some examples? I'll start with Tom examples of something that would stop us for going, going from going around or in other words, why aren't we going around? You know, Carl, I don't know if I can answer that question. Uh, I, cause, cause, um, you know, I was taught early on that, um, landing should be a surprise. Um, I was prepared to go around on every time I made an approach that, you know, when the wheels touched the ground and we came to a stop, it's like, Oh, we landed. We didn't have to go around. And, and that was the level of preparation that I was given to, to be able to, you know, make it a normal procedure, you know? So I guess, you know, the, the, the things that I see in my students is like, they, they feel like there's a, you know, they're, they're either rushed or pressured or something is in their mind that's telling them they have to get the wheels on the ground and get off of the runway. You know, that, that once you've got on this approach that, uh, that's why you're there and, and you have to land and, and they forget that that go around is a procedure. And that's, that's why we, you know, we're talking about it tonight because it's that important, you know, it's, it's to get into your mind that, that going around is a normal part of flying, you know, and there is no shame in it, and there is nobody goes, oh, well, look what he did, you know. Most people, like we've all been saying tonight, I, I never chastise a student ever for going around. It's a good decision. It's always a good decision. And, you know, you fly the plane, you go around the pattern, and you set it back up again, and, and you try to get the wheels on the ground as safely as possible. And and that mindset is is what we're trying to get to. And And I don't know that I can answer why people don't. You know, one of the things that we should get in our mind, like you said, is that, you know, always be spring-loaded to do the go-around, especially, you know, you look at uh, doing tailwheel instruction, you know you're going to be going around at some point, uh, and many times in your training, and that should be where it is with any type of training, right, Tom? Oh, yeah, and and, and in the... 
I, I was going to bring that up in that other piece of discussion. When I was doing my tailwheel, good Lord, I, and, and not only doing it, getting my own, but teaching it as well, go around st- you know, you can get unstable in a tailwheel aircraft very quickly. Your your hind end will chase you very quickly if you're not very prepared to go around at all times. Um, you know, I was I was doing tailwheel instruction in a little 140 that had the steel leaf spring um, landing gear, and man, if you bounce those on the ground, you, you didn't want to try to do that again. You were always <laughs> ready to go around, and and it does. It helps. You know, that's that's why they say that tailwheel endorsement helps you so much with your stick and rudder skills and with the skill of going around. So in our minds, uh, one of the things we need to do is always be ready for that go around. But there are still reasons why we don't go around. There's uh, if you talk to people as to why didn't you go around and uh, some of the things that I've heard, you know, from a student is, hey, I needed to get the plane back to the FBO because the next student has to fly that plane. And it's like, well, you know, they have to fly it in one piece, you know. <laughs> so let's let's just go ahead and go around. Don't ever worry about the person behind you or the person down the FBO or whatever. Uh, a lot of times people do worry about that as far as the go around. Another instance I heard of and uh, actually we saw on video is a military aircraft landing at a general aviation field. Having been close to that investigation, uh, you know, you heard of uh, somebody pressuring the pilots to actually land. Uh, I won't say exactly what they said, family-friendly podcast, but, you know, they really wanted to get that plane on the ground and wound up putting it at the wrong airport. And, uh, you know, that was an instance of where a passenger is pressuring you to get on the ground. The pressure may be real. It may not be real because you think that the passenger's uh, feel that, yeah, we need to get you on the ground. But I'll tell you what, if you go around and you land, the next landing is great and you tell them what happened, they're like very thankful to you. Uh, say, hey, yeah, hey, thanks for doing that and, and keeping me safe. Um, Bill, is there any other things that you could maybe interject as far as, you know, reasons that we may not want to go or, or why we don't go around? Yeah, I, you know, I'm with Tom on that. It's, it's, it's hard to, you know, say what's in people's head. I mean, mission pressure is definitely very real there. And, you know, people... I think want to think, well, it's it's not that bad. I can save it. You know, we, we talked about setting the minimums. And if you don't have a commitment to that, that, you know, if I'm at, uh, I think, I think Russ mentioned it, that, you know, the 121 crews, you know, this and the corporate crews, you know, you've got at a thousand feet, you've got criteria. I have to meet these criteria. If I don't do it, I have a minimum. I'm going to do it and I'm going to go around uh, or 500 feet, whatever. And, you know, people think that, well, it's, it's almost good. It's almost good. I can save it, you know, and I, I think there's a lot of that, that you're not, um, you're not wanting to admit failure and we have to get that mindset out of there. That's, it, it's not a failure, just, you know, this variability, things can go wrong and it doesn't necessarily reflect that you failed at something. It, in fact, you're, you know, like, uh, I think that we're all saying it's, uh, it's a success that you notice something's not right. Let's, let's hit the reset button. But a lot of times we see reports, though, you know, of people not doing them, you know, and and you notice it's airline crews that we're listening to on all these reports. A lot of airline crews, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'd love to actually be able to sit down with them, have a frank discussion, say why. Uh, I have some of my own feelings on that. I mean, the last two go-arounds I've done. Uh, through the go-around process, it the pilots I was flying with are like, why are we going around? You know, this is, you know, they expletive, you know, wrong that they're doing this to us. It's like, well, who cares? Let's just go around and figure it out later. Because a lot of times it's air traffic control or they did something right. wrong to you, you know? Just, right. it's the way it is. It's, it is what it is. And uh, I think at, uh, 
opinion, by the way, is that one of the things in my mind is you hear a lot about with airline crews because we are so driven to get that mission done. It's like, no, I don't want to go around, you know, give me another runway, do something. Uh, yeah. But I really don't want to go around. In your experience, Carl, and, and the airlines, are you, I'm sure you probably have seen more go arounds from that purpose then, right? That it's air traffic initiated rather than you do it? Um, I wish I could say yes to that, but yes, there's half of them have been air traffic control. Uh, the other half, um, you know, not lately. It, it wasn't like that. Uh, unstabilized approach is one good one. Uh, had an uncommanded uh, max thrust uh, situation where all of a sudden I'm pointing at the ground at max thrust. It's like, oh boy, uh, this is an issue. And uh, whether we still haven't figured out whether there was a mechanical issue or not. Uh, but uh, the one before that was uh, an unstabilized approach due to the fact that the person was so focused on landing on the other runway, not the oh. runway. Yeah, he started going yeah. towards the other runway, and uh, once we got a gear down warning, you know, you know, landing gear warning, it was we were continuing the approach and realized, oh no, we need to to go around. But but going back, I'd say about uh, over half, over half the go arounds I do, I do about one go around a year. Uh, and sometimes too, but yeah, the, there's a good amount that are ATC related yeah. and those are usually at those airports in the New York area. <laughs> right. Well, don't forget. I mean, you know, the, the controllers are looking at that too, the same way we are. They've got criteria to meet as well. I mean, they can't be having one airplane pile up behind another on the runway. So, you know, a good controllers looking the, the, the same way. I don't think they want to say go around either, but, uh, if that's the safer course of action, they, they have to pull that trigger sometimes. Yeah, and you don't know why. I mean, it, it really, and that's a great point because the last time I did a go around in LaGuardia, we're sitting there looking at each other. Why in the world are we going around? It was an airplane on on the taxiway, and and later on we asked air traffic control, and they said uh, the reason was that that person's wing was too close to the runway, and we're not allowed to have that person's wing that close to the runway, even right. though we thought it was you know well clear. And they said that's our safety criteria, so you got to go around. So yes, right. there's, but in general. Uh, not in my recent experience, but in general with airlines, most go-arounds, yes, they're, they're due to air traffic control. A lot of mine, I've been doing wind shears, things like that. Uh, so uh, the last three were configuration, uh, a uncommanded uh, thrust, max thrust, and a wind shear. Those are my last three. So, uh, so that's a little bit different than the average, I think. So I, probably not a good example of what normally happens at the airlines. Uh, those are just the last three that I did. Uh, so really, it, it's just, and it doesn't matter. You just have to be ready for that. And you have to, uh, I think we sometimes, as especially, you know, people that have lots of flying hours in, we start saying, you know, I am not going to do a go around. I'm going to fix this. And it's like, you know, you know, I watch this, I can fix this. And when you hear that, you're like, Oh boy, this is going to be fun. And, uh, and sometimes it happens at a very low altitude that it's, it's time to hit the reset button and do the go around. There's some really good examples of that. Um, one of them I actually watched, it was a, on a Discovery Channel, there was a Korean Air 801 that, that crashed, and that was in Guam. One of the things that struck me, and actually this is the main reason I, I wanted to do this podcast, is I heard the first officer saying to the captain, we should go around, and it was way, way back on the approach. And I was like, gosh, you know what? We should do an episode on go-arounds. And that's when the ASRS report I saw come out and uh, and realized that, yeah, we're, we're having some issues on go-arounds. And a lot of times it has to do with us actually making the decision to go-around 
not so much uh, us messing it up a little bit, messing it up on the on the go around, but it's usually just not not deciding early. So I think that's a big big uh, clue here is to decide early. Any other uh, comments from the rest of the folks here before we kind of get into our picks of the week? Anything else that, uh, in general, someone might want to mention as far as, as a go-around? I know there's some, some cool videos out there I want to talk about. No, and, I think we about covered it all, Carl. Yeah, good, good. I, I know that we're going to get a lot of comments about this. And, you know, go-arounds, do it early uh, and practice it. Know your airplane. That's really important. Uh, just And don't ever be ashamed of doing a go-around. There was a really cool video. Uh, actually, I won't talk about it. I think it may even be a pick of the week. I'm not sure. Uh, that I, Russ is the one that told me about this, I think. Or no, wait. I think, Bill, you told me about this YouTube video. Uh, was really funny. I don't know who it was, oh, but yeah. the one that bought the, the go-around music and all that, that was kind of cool. the music, yeah. I think I put that one off, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That was awesome. That was he just put together this collage of go-arounds. and some. I was actually getting nervous during the video, but uh, he did a great job. Who is that, by the way? I can't remember I, who that is. I don't know. Let me pull it up here. Yeah. All right. You pull it up, and we're going to actually we'll, we'll mention that later on the Picks of the Week. But let's do that first. Let's uh, While you're pulling that up, let's get to the Picks of the Week here. Our Picks of the Week. My Pick of the Week, actually, and this is something that I wanted to mention early, and I said I'd do it later instead of in the announcements. I know we have a YouTube channel. Remember early on we, we merged with the Pilot Report and we put it into the Stuck Mike Avcast? Some of those videos have still been playing about how to do audio in the cockpit and stuff like that. One thing that I think we're missing uh, at Stuck Mike is uh, a little more personal approach, get to see us, that type of thing. And, and one thing that I wanted to do, and I decided to start doing this today, is go out and actually visit airports and maybe do some some quick videos and, and give you this exciting view of some of these other airports that we visit. The first video I did, of course, was right here in Lakeland since we just moved here, and uh, I'm right here on the Sun and Fun campus. And uh, just check that out on our YouTube channel. The YouTube channel is really easy to find. It's youtube.com slash stuckmikeavcast. We don't have many videos on there. We haven't touched it in five years, but I promise we're going to start doing more of them and putting them out there because uh, really one of the things that I found when I'm looking around is I want to see pictures of stuff and airplanes. And, uh, you know, I've done uh, some video myself on some other YouTube channels, uh, you know, my first impressions of uh, the SR22. And those things really help people and help them decide whether they're going to actually go fly something. As a matter of fact, that is one of the videos coming up is I'm actually taking a flight in an SR-22 with uh, one of the certified trainers from uh, the Cirrus. Is, uh, he actually has an uh, airplane that he's going to start taking me flying in. We're going to do some, some cool video there. So check out the Stuck Mike Avcast YouTube channel. You can link to it right from stuckmikeavcast.com. So we have more things to come. Anyway, our next pick of the week is uh, Bill, have you found that video and who actually sang in that video? Yeah. Well, what I'm finding on YouTube is Intra Extra Aviation. Intra Extra. Uh, yeah. So you could search on that. If you, if you, well, we'll give you the link in the show notes. But um, if you just shoot on, uh, search on, you can always go around. It'll come up, and it's uh, it's entertaining. We'll we'll put it that way. Yes, yeah, a little little country music ditty going uh, <laughs> in the background. He's got you know. There's uh, you know, the words are the lyrics go across the screen too, so it's uh, it's really good. Awesome, awesome. So, what's your pick of the week? Now that we're talking to you. Ah, uh, well, all right. Well, you just talked about um, videos and um, at a a great photography product that just uh, hit the shelves last week. 
uh, kind of a little aerial photography. And one is the uh, DJI, the famous drone manufacturer, um, has come out with the Mavic 2, which is their small fold-up drone. And it has come out uh, with a great new professional photography version. One of them has a Hasselblad camera. Photographers in the audience will definitely mm. know that name, which is um, – 20 megapixel uh, stills, a full one-inch sensor, 10-bit video rate, a uh, real professional aerial photography uh, platform that you can stick in your pocket, and a and another version of it with a actual optical zoom on this. So great for uh, traveling, uh, taking those uh, great aerial photos of scenery. Of course, be careful with it around airports. Um, but uh, you know, would fit. I was going to uh, tease Victoria. This would fit perfectly just in one of those little cubby holes in the camper van. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, you know what this means, though. Now you got to take me out for your, my second lesson on how to fly those oh, drones. Just, you know that now that you mentioned that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, the, yeah. I don't know. Maybe you want to stop at beginner's luck. I'm not sure. Wow. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, beginner's luck. I almost crashed into my car. But uh, <laughs> that was interesting. By the way, DJI. Now that you mentioned that, I should have mentioned the first video that I did, or just the recent video was I just purchased the Osmo Two. Uh, DJI yeah. Osmo 2, that's for your cell phone. And wow, what that's incredible, the stabilization and the gimbals that, uh, products that are out there by DJI. Easy to use. Even I could set it up. Honestly, it took me a second to balance it. But it, it was really, really cool. But the Hasselblad camera, if anybody's into into photography, I mean, just amazing cameras. They've been making them for so many years. Uh, but really cool. I, I, that's one of maybe in the next thing that I get. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I wonder how we're going to do that. We could do a video flying overhead in an airport. We'll figure it out. Uh, yeah, but, we'll but, but anyway, there's a link in the show notes for that. Thanks, Bill. Uh, moving right. on to the next uh, pick of the week. Tom, what is your pick of the week? Yeah, so I was always waiting for the podcast to start tonight and looking over the topic and kind of looking at that. I was looking through email and realized that I had gotten my safety brief for the day. So I picked the, the link as a, as a pick of the week, you know, the FAA safety um, briefing. If, if you're not getting this thing delivered to you, um, you know, it's, it's something that you should have. It, it really provides good information. Uh, you know, I was just kind of flipping through it and looking at some of these articles and they were even, you know, um, the, the one that was delivered to me today was the July, August one. And, and, you know, there was pieces of that that are even pertinent to the conversation we were having tonight. Um, you know, um, one of the articles in there is controlling common causes of GA mishaps, you know, and maintaining aircraft control. And it's just, you know, they're, they're short things. They're not hard to get through. And, and it's like really good information. You know, it's, it's on point. It's, it's good information for us as pilots to look at. And, and, um, you know, if you're not getting the FAA safety brief, sign up for it at faasafety.gov. And I got the link on the, on the bottom of the podcast. So that's a online briefing or is it printed? Um, it's, it's online. You can print it out. Um, you can, uh, look at it on your phone. Um, I get an alert from it with links in it, uh, just directly to my email. Cool. Yeah, definitely. And, and once, the, once you go to the page that, uh, that I got the link for there, there's a way to subscribe on it. Awesome. Yeah, those are great. Those safety briefings, uh, learn a lot and, uh, some great background there. So thanks. I appreciate that. The FA. And, and you, you can, you can't even subscribe to a print magazine. They'll send it to you. Oh, that's cool. It's still the old-fashioned print. I actually see them sometimes at like the safety meetings. You see them hanging out in the back there and picking them up. So there's a way to subscribe online. So I'm, gra I'm glad you brought that up. I forget to tell people about that. That's awesome. Thanks, Tom. appreciate that. Uh, moving on to the next pick of the week. Uh, Russ, what is your pick of the week? 
Well, my pick of the week is a website and YouTube channel and such that that many people know of, I'm sure. But I was able to get a lot more detail at, at Oshkosh a few weeks ago, and that's boldmethod.com. Uh, people know about this website. I'm sure it has a lot of good uh, training materials and quizzes and stuff. But one of the things that, you know, we're just so inundated with information and websites and such on the Internet now that, you know, anybody can have an online presence or a YouTube site or whatever. You know, it's easy. It's unfiltered. It's really hard to tell um, if the person that's doing it really knows what they're talking about, what's the accuracy of the information. You know, it, it's really tough to to figure that out. So the boldmethod.com guys were doing a uh, seminar at Oshkosh, and it was about flying non-precision approaches. And mostly I, I wanted to go because although I know how I do them, I was interested how they were going to present this and see if I could pick anything up uh, for, you know, students and, and such. But so it was a good briefing, but mostly what I was really surprised about was just the level of detail that, that the presenters had. And, I mean, they had lots of technical knowledge. They were talking all about the visual descent points and stuff that uh, most pilots probably aren't aware of. You know, the the, uh, the visual protection surfaces, 20 to 1 surfaces, and all, all this kind of technical stuff. Um, and and they were right. <laughs> this is something that I, that I have a lot of knowledge about. And they were right on on, on every point. So I was really very impressed uh, with their knowledge. And so actually after it, I had kind of a long chat with, with Alex Udris and Colin Cutler, they're the co-founders of Bold Method, and and uh, yeah, I, I told them that I was very impressed with their knowledge. Of course, they appreciated that, but uh, but these guys, you know, they're not. I I, I was very impressed. They weren't. They, they came off very well. They have a lot of experience in the training world. They've you know trained you know government and civilian flight organizations and done a lot of uh, uh, software development and that kind of stuff. So. Uh, if you go on boldmethod.com, you know they've got their their short quizzes and videos and little uh, you know, flasher or Java training tools and heck, they even have videos on go arounds. So, uh, so it it's very very well done site. And if you're not aware of it, you should probably go check it out and and do believe that uh, they they're very knowledgeable and know what they're talking about. So good job. Awesome, boldmethod.com. I think we've all heard of them and uh, just some amazing videos they have. Uh, so check it. We'll check out the go-arounds, that's for sure. Uh, and they, I think they have it on their YouTube channel, too. So thanks. I appreciate that, Russ. Uh, let's see. The last pick of the week comes from Rick. Rick, what is your pick of the week? Yeah, recently I got to hang out with a friend of mine who teaches. He's a CFI and teaches uh, specifically tailwheel. Uh, up here in New England and, and part of the year in Florida, and he, uh, we just were hanging out talking, and you know, he's just someone I uh, have have really enjoyed flying along with, um, uh, in in a couple of his planes, basically just li- you know enjoying low and slow with uh, you know open you know open doors, you know, and um, so there's a video that I found that I really like uh, that is sort of a chance to be doing that it's um from uh flight chops and it will have the link it's basically uh the night this um that he sort of fell in love not my friend but this the flight chops uh dudes dude uh super you know fell in love with the super cub and it's 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 a you know four camera um uh video uh in the pattern uh, at a grass strip and it's really it's it's a great mixture of both the beauty and you know and energy of what it's like in a late afternoon to be uh, buzzing around a grass field, as well as some tips about 
what uh, he he was doing that day. Uh, this was not long into his uh, tailwheel training, so um, this is someone with early experience, but not uh, you know not extensive, but enough to be paying attention to his own um, habits and uh, looking them over uh, you know with cameras. And it's beautiful, and it's 13 minutes long. It's a really great way to sink uh, sink into that. So. Uh, We'll have the link in the show notes, and uh, it's uh, you could look it up. It's Super Cub Finding Zen, the grass strip and tailwheel flying. So that's my pick. Awesome. Flight Chops has some amazing videos and uh, love what he's doing with everything and uh, kind of ties into, you know, I always used to call them the, the Rick Felty videos with all the different camera angles, et cetera. I remember yeah. seeing those so often. This and, one, and this one, I guess, is not the normal crew. Like, he just was out on his own, and he hooked up for GoPros and did his thing so it's it's actually he even talks about that it's kind of simple in its approach simple in the kind of play you know it's all very kind of basic but really really pretty so awesome got to check it out that's uh like i said all this stuff is cool but i, I love that kind of approach and i love that 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 simplistic yeah. type of design so i definitely will will check that out appreciate it rick that's awesome i yep. love that pick of the week well gosh that's it for the episode today and uh, you know i tell you what i hope that's one of you listening, if you're listening now that you've learned something, and that's what we try to do. Of course, you know, we're not your flight instructor, and I, I really would encourage you to go talk to your flight instructor about go-arounds, because that's what we're trying to do. We're start to, trying to start this conversation. You know, this is about learning to fly, loving to fly, and loving to fly, but one of the most important things that what you need to do is if you love aviation and you like to learn, is you keep engaged. Some of us have been out of small airplanes for a long time. Some of us haven't flown at all in any airplane in a long time, but I'm hoping that this podcast will keep you excited about general aviation and help you get back into it. I mean, look at me. I mean, finally getting back into general aviation, flying small airplanes again. It's been over a year and it's been a heck of a transition, but I tell you what, when you get out there and you start flying, no matter what plane it is, it's absolutely exciting and it's so much fun, but don't forget that if you're you're landing and you don't think it's going to be successful, Make sure you go around. Well, folks, I appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.